Act One of Iphigenia by Jean Racine, translated by Robert Bruce Boswell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Introduction to Iphigenia Racine's version of the time-honored story of Iphigenia was acted for the first time in 1674. The model upon which it is shaped is the Iphigenius in Ulus of his favorite Euripides. But the French poet has heightened the romantic interest and complicated the plot by the important part which Irophil is made to play, a character which he derived from Posenius and other writers, though her jealousy of Iphigenia, her treachery and suicide, are due to his own invention. According to Aeschylus and Sophocles, the daughter of Agamemnon was actually slain at Olus, and the graphic description of Lucretius, which embodies this view of the catastrophe, De Reum Natura, Libro 185, etc., has furnished Racine with one touch at least of exquisite pathos. It was I who called thee first by the dear name of father. Act 4, Scene 4. According to Euripides, a fawn was substituted for the maiden by divine interposition at the last moment, and Iphigenia herself was spirited away in a cloud to serve as priestess to the shrine of Artemis, Diana, among the Tauri, the savage inhabitants of what is now Crimea. Ovid, in his Metamorphoses, Libro 12, 31, etc., adopts this myth, and the genius of Goethe has presented it fresh to the modern world in a drama which bears as close a relation to the Iphigenia in Taurus of Euripides as this play does to the Iphigenia in Olid. The tradition that Racine has followed introduces another Iphigenia, a daughter of Helen by Theseus, as the actual victim. How far he has succeeded in disarming our sympathy with Eriphil is a matter that admits of dispute, but there is at least a dramatic justice in representing her destruction as the result of her own treachery. Characters Agamemnon, read by Greg Giordano Achilles, read by Alan Mapstone Ulysses, read by Todd Clytemnestra, wife of Agamemnon, read by Sonia Iphigenia, daughter of Agamemnon Read by Jen Broda. Airfully, daughter of Helen and Theseus, read by Diana Kennedy. Arcus, servant of Agamemnon, read by Thomas Peter. Eurybates, servant of Agamemnon, read by Mark Kelly. Aegina, attendant of Clytemnestra, read by Sandra Schmidt. Doris, friend of Europhilu, read by Joanna Michael Hoyt. Stage directions read by Larry Wilson. The scene is laid at Olus in the tent of Agamemnon. Act One, Scene One, Agamemnon Arcus. Ay, it is Agamemnon. Tis thy king that wakes thee. His the voice that strikes thine ear. Oh, is thou indeed, my lord? What grave concern has made thee leave thy couch before the dawn? A feeble light scarce lets me see thy face. No eyes but ours are open yet in Aulis. Hast thou caught any sound of rising winds? And can it be that heaven has heard our prayer this night? Nay, all are sleeping. 
winds and waves sleeps the host happy the man content with humble fortune free from the proud yoke neath which i bow who lives a life obscure thanks to kind heaven how long my lord hast thou thought thus what secret injury has worked this hatred in contempt of all the honours that heaven's rich bounty has on thee bestowed blessed is king's sire and husband son and heir of atreus the most favoured land in greece is thine and thou canst boast kinship with jove both by direct descent as well as marriage and young achilles now to whom the gods promise such fame by all their oracles sues for thy daughter's hand and at the flames of burning troy would light the nuptial torch what glory sire what triumphs can be matched with this grand sight displayed along these shores a thousand vessels and a score of kings all waiting here but for the winds to sail neath thy command tis true this tedious calm delays thy conquests and for three months chained the winds have blocked thy course to troy too long supremely honoured thou art yet a mortal nor has thy life from fortune's shifting breeze been promised happiness without alloy soon but what troubles in that letter traced force from thine eyes my lord a burst of tears is thine orestes doomed in infancy to death clytemnestra dost thou weep or for iphigenia prithee tell me what is writ there thou shalt not die no never will i consent my lord thou seest my grief learn thou its cause and judge if i can rest thou dost remember when in aulis gathered our ships seemed summoned by the winds to sea our sails unfurled a thousand cries of joy already carried threats to distant troy when lo a sudden marvel hushed our shouts the favouring breeze deserted us in port in vain the oars smote the unruffled deep we were constrained to stop the fruitless toil that wondrous portent made me turn mine eyes toward the goddess who is worshipped here with menelaus nestor and ulysses i sought her shrine and offered secret victims what was her answer ah with what distress i heard these awful words from calchas lips the force ye armed to conquer troy is vain unless with the rites of sacrifice and prayer upon diana's altar here be slain a maid of helen's blood divinely fair to obtain the welcome wind that heaven denies tis needful that iphigenia dies thy daughter thou mayst fancy how i felt astonishment that seemed to freeze my blood speechless i stood while my sole utterance was in a thousand choking sighs expressed then cursed the gods and without hearing more vowed on their altars i would disobey them ah would that i had trusted love's alarm and instantly disbanded all the host ulysses seemed content with what i wished 
nor checked the torrent of my angry words but soon returning to his cruel wiles he set before me honour and the claims of country kings and people to my sway subject and sovereignty or asia promised to greece how could i sacrifice he asked the state to save a daughter and go home disgraced for ever i confess with shame my power had yet some charm and i was full of pride those sounding titles king of kings leader of greece tickled my swelling heart to crown my trouble every night the gods oft as light slumber gave me rest from care avenged their cruel altars and reproached my sacrilegious pity brandishing the lightning's bolts before my dazzled eyes with arm already raised as if to punish my fault i yielded conquered by ulysses and with wet eyes ordered my daughter's death but from a mother's arms she must be torn i had to have recourse to base deceit achilles loved her and i rode to argos as if at his request saying that he eager to start with us wished for her presence that he might wed her ere we sailed for troy fearest thou not achilles quicken quarrel dost think this hero armed by love and reason will calmly let his name be thus abused to expedite her murder and be dumb seeing his loved one slain before his eyes achilles was not here his father peleus fearing the efforts of a neighbouring foe had as thou wilt remember called him from us and there was every cause to think this war would have detained him longer than it did but who can stop that torrent in its course achilles goes to fight and wins forthwith the victor pressing on the heels of fame arrived last night and now is in the camp yet stronger motives paralyze mine arm my daughter who is hastening to her death far from suspecting such a dreadful sentence is pleased perchance her father is so kind my daughter name that in itself is sacred so near in blood so young yet not for that i mourn but for her virtues and the love between us tenderness in me in her a piety that nothing can outweigh for which i promised a more meet return can i believe thy justice gracious heaven approves this dark and savage sacrifice thine oracles but put me to a test and thou thyself wouldst punish my obedience arcas to thee this private task i trust herein display thy prudence and thy seal the queen who found thee faithful when at sparta has placed thee near my person take this letter and go to meet the queen without delay post haste thy course pursuing toward mycenae whom when thou seest forbid her to advance giving to her this letter i have written beware thou stray not take a trusty guide 
if once my daughter dear sets foot in olus her life is lost calhous who waits her here will with a voice from heaven drown our cries the voice of angry gods to which alarmed the greeks will hearken and to that alone those two whose proud ambition loathes my glory will reassert their claims with fresh intrigues rob me of power offensive in their eyes go save her from my weak irresolution but prithee let not zeal outrun discretion give her no inkling of my wretched secret but still deceived let not my daughter know the danger whereunto i had exposed her spare me the outcry of an angry mother and with thy voice confirm what i have written to send the daughter and the mother home i tell them that achilles mind is changed and that he wishes to postpone this marriage for which he was so keen till his return add that the secret of this sudden coldness is thought to lie with fair young eriphile whom he himself from lesbos brought a captive and who was kept at argos with my daughter that is enough to say and on all else be silent see how grows the light of day i hear a sound of voices tis achilles go and good heavens ulysses follows him scene two agamemnon achilles ulysses prince can it be with such a rapid course that victory has brought thee back to olus are these the first flights of an unfledged valor what triumphs will succeed such grand exploits all thessaly reduced to peace and conquest of lesbos made while waiting our departure these would be trophies of eternal glory to any other but to thee the sport of idle moments sir my slight successes are too much praised may heaven that now detains us soon show a nobler field to rouse the heart that fame would prove itself worthy of prize so rare as that thou offerest but my lord am i to trust a rumour that i hear with joy dost deign so to promote my wishes am i so soon the happiest of mortals tis said iphigenia comes to olis and soon our fortunes will be linked together my daughter who has told thee she comes hither what is there to astonish thee in this agamemnon aside to ulysses heavens can my fatal stratagem have reached his ears the king's astonishment is just dost thou forget how dark is all around us nay by the gods this is no time for weddings while idly float our vessels from the sea shut out our forces wasting and all greece perturbed when to avert the wrath of heaven we may be called on to spill blood most precious achilles thinks of love and love alone 
Will he so rudely flout the general fear? And shall the Grecian leader so provoke the fates as here and now to celebrate a marriage feast? Ah! Is it thus thy soul, with patriotic fever, shares the woe of Greece? Which loves her more, thou or myself, our deeds shall prove on the wide plains of Troy. Till then I leave thee to display thy zeal, nor will I interrupt thy pious prayers on her behalf. With victims load the altars, thyself consult the entrails, and inquire why Aeolus imprisons all the winds. But I, resigning all such cares to Couchus, must crave thy kind permission to dispatch a marriage inoffensive to the gods. But thirst for glory will not let me rest. Soon on this strand I will rejoin the Greeks. T'would vex me sorely if another foot than mine should first land on the Trojan shore. Oh! Why does heaven, with secret envy stirred, close all approach to Asia against such heroes? Have I beheld so noble a display of zeal, but to return more sick at heart? Gods, how is this? What dost thou dare to say? That each and all brave prince must hence retire that lord too long by hopes that have deceived us we vainly wait for winds that will not come heaven shelters troy and signifies its wrath by supernatural obstacles that bar our passage thither by what sign has heaven declared its wrath thou knowest thine own fate predicted by the gods forgive my freedom to thee have they assigned great ilium's fall but as the price of such a glorious conquest thy tomb is marked out on the plains of troy we know thy life that else were long and happy is destined there to perish in its prime shall then so many kings met to avenge thee and thine house turn home disgraced and shamed for ever and shall paris in his love triumphant keep unharmed thy consort's sister has not thy valour prince outstripping ours sufficiently avenged our wounded honour unhappy lesbos by thine hands laid waste strikes terror into all the aegean isles troy has beheld the flames and to her ports the waves have rolled charred beams and mangled corpses nay more the trojans weep another helen whom to mycenae thou hast sent a captive for tis in vain to keep that birth a secret which pride and beauty in each glance betray her very silence marks nobility and tells us her illustrious origin no no all this is plausible evasion dim in far distance are the secrets known to heaven shall i be daunted by vain threats and shun the path of honour in thy track 
the fates tis true when to a mortal's couch my mother came warned her my choice would lie between a life long and inglorious or else an early death with fame to follow but since i soon or late must reach the tomb shall i a useless burden on the earth and cherry of the blood a goddess gave wait with my father for obscure old age and scorning glory leave behind no name to outlive death away with obstacles unworthy honour speaks it is enough this is my oracle the gods command our span of life but in our own hand rests our glory why should we torment ourselves with what belongs to heaven be it ours to rival the immortals and let fate act as it will embrace the course that leads to destinies as mighty as their own that goal is troy and warn me as they may i ask no other boon than winds to waft me thither and though i alone should wage this war patroclus and myself will wreak your vengeance but not so to thee is given the task i only crave a follower's place no more i urge approval of the passion which for a time would part me from these shores that very love careful of thy renown prompts me to stay and by a firm example encourage all the army nor consents to leave thee to be swayed by timid counsels scene three agamemnon ulysses you hear my lord whatever price it cost he is resolved to speed his course to troy we feared his love, and, happily mistaken, to-day he arms our hands against himself. Alas! What must I deem this sigh portends? Is it a protest of reluctant nature, and has a single night sufficed to shake your purpose? Did your heart speak in the words just heard? Think well. You owe to Greece your daughter your word is pledged to us and on that promise calchas relaying to the greeks foretells the sure return of favourable winds if the event conflicts with his prediction think you that calchas can continue silent that he will be persuaded to allow the gods are false without accusing you who knows what in their wrath that seems them just the greeks may do defrauded of their victim beware of forcing an indignant people to make their choice between the gods and you was it not you yourself whose urgent voice summoned us all to far scamander's banks from town to town appealing to those oaths which helen's suitors took in former days when all your brother's rivals throughout greece sought her in marriage from tyndarius her sire whatever bridegroom she might choose his right we then swore stoutly to defend, and should his prize be stolen, we engaged to bring him the presumptuous robber's head. But without you, that oath which love imposed, 
would with that love have passed and been forgotten. You made us loose the later ties that bound our hearts to home, leaving our wives and children, and, when, assembled here from land and sea, the eyes of all flash vengeance for your sake, when Greece, already voting you her leader, owes you the author of this grand enterprise, when all her kings, who might dispute that rank with you, are ready in your cause to risk their very lives, lo, only Agamemnon refuses to buy victory and fame with a few drops of blood, and, sore dismayed, even at the outset, orders a retreat. Ah, it is easy for a heart that knows no woe like mine to be magnanimous. But if you saw your son, Telemachus, approach the altar, decked for sacrifice, that dreadful spectacle would make you blench, and we should see you soon exchange your scorn for tears, pierced with such grief as now I feel, and cast yourself between Calchus and your boy. You know that I have given my solemn word, and if my daughter comes, she shall be slain. But if a happier fate, in spite of me, keeps her at home, or stops her on the way, then let these savage rites be urged no more. Let me interpret in my daughter's favor this obstacle, and welcome it as sent by some kind God who watches o'er her life. Your cruel counsels have prevailed too far, and now I blush. Scene four. Agamemnon, Ulysses, Eurypetes. My lord. Ah, with what message come you? The queen, who steps my haste outstripped, will soon consign your daughter to your arms. She now draws near, but for some time she lost the way within these woods around the camp. Amidst her gloomy shades, we hardly found again the right direction we has quitted. Good heavens! She also brings young Eurypheli, who fell into Achilles' hands in Lesbos, and comes to Aulis, as she says, to ask of Calchas what her unknown destiny may be. Already are the tidings spread of their approach, and an enchanted crowd admiring view Iphigenia's charms, and cry aloud to heaven with ceaseless prayers to bless her. Some greet her respectful homage, the queen, while others fain would learn the cause which brings her. But they all alike confess that if the gods never enthroned a king more glorious, or with equal favors crowned, never was father happier than yourself. Enough, Eurobates. Now you may leave us. I must consider what is to be done. Scene five. Agamemnon, Ulysses. Just heaven, tis thus, making thy vengeance sure that thou dost break the web vain prudence spins would that i were at least free to let fall tears that relieve the anguish of the heart sad destiny of kings slaves that we are to fate's severity in men's opinions we see ourselves beset with witnesses and the most wretched do not dare to weep I am no stranger to a father's weakness. My own heart tells me all that thou must feel, and, sympathizing with each troubled sigh, I am more disposed to share than blame thy tears. 
but now no plea is left for love to urge with justice. Lo, the gods have brought their victim to Calchas, and he knows it. If she tarry, he will not fail himself to come and claim her. Are we not yet alone? Indulge thy grief. Check not the tears that tenderness extorts. Mourn for the maiden's blood. Mourn. But to soothe thine anguish, think what honor thence will spring. See Hellas font all white beneath our oars, and faithless Troy in flames, her people led in fetters, Priam prostrate at thy knees, and Helen to her spouse by thee restored. See the gay garlands on each lofty stern of our triumphant fleet, with thee return to all us here, in glory that shall be the theme of countless ages yet unborn. I know too well tis useless to resist. Go, and the victim soon shall follow thee. But silence, Calhus, until all is ready. Help me the dreadful mystery to hide, while far from sight so sad a mother's steps I guide. End of Act One